So, we talked last week about believing. This week we're talking about belonging. Every one of us want to belong. Let me remind you, Genesis 1, look at verse 26, our foundational verse for this whole series. Then God said, let us make man believing. He made us to believe. I covered that last week. In our image, that means belonging, according to our likeness, becoming, we're coming, becoming like Him, and let them, mankind, man and woman, male and female, have dominion, and He goes on, but this would be building the kingdom. I also want to say to you, when we're talking about uh, an offering, uh, if you've never participated in a miracle offering, it's been several years since we've done a miracle offering here at Gateway. The miracle is not how much money is given. The miracle is what God does in our hearts. It's that we hear God and we obey, and that releases God's blessings in our lives. And I also want to say that I know that we build God's kingdom in more ways than giving financially. I know we pray. I know we love. I know we serve. I know we witness. I know it's more than just financial, but it's also financial. So, we are talking about this week belonging. Every one of us like to belong. As a matter of fact, each of us did some things growing up that we regret to this day, and we did them to belong. Some trips to the emergency room were preceded by these words, hey guys, watch this. Matter of fact, I remember growing up, I brought a, a jacket to show you uh, in high school. This was a, a literally a, high, a jacket I had in high school. It says, I went to Pine Tree High School. It says the Pine Tree Rodeo Club. I was a member of the rodeo club, and I rode bulls in high school uh, until I met a bull named Cassius Clay who did exactly to me what Cassius Clay used to do to people in the rings. Matter of fact, my arm was broken in um, several places because of Cassius Clay, whom I hate to this day. But we all want to belong. Every one of us relate to this. And why do we have a problem with feeling like we don't belong? So flip one page. We'll get to Ephesians 1 in a moment. Flip one page to Genesis 3. Last week, we talked about how it all goes back to the beginning, how we were created. Genesis 3, Adam and Eve eat the fruit, and look what happens in verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Now, let me say this in a way that maybe we've never thought about it. As soon as Adam and Eve sinned, they felt like they didn't belong immediately. The sense of not fitting in, not belonging. They didn't feel that they belonged in the garden. They didn't feel they belonged to God anymore. They didn't feel they even belonged to, to each other. And they hide from God. When they hear God, 
it's funny and sad, but you know, the funny part is you can just see them running to get behind the tree as if God could not see them behind the tree. And I think God walked to the part of the garden exactly where they were hiding and didn't look at them and just said, Adam, where are you? And he knew exactly where they were. And Adam said the saddest words that God had ever heard in his life. We know he's eternal, but I believe these are the saddest words he had ever heard up until that moment. I heard your voice and I was afraid. Can you imagine how that broke God's heart? He had never done anything to cause his children to be afraid of him. But sin did that. Sin causes us to feel like we don't belong. So I want to tell you two things about belonging. All right? Number one, we were born rejected. Now, this is a theological truth that it's kind of hard to swallow, but it's all through Scripture. We were born rejected, separated from God. Isaiah 59 verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, now remember the word sinned, I want to come back to that, and fall short of the glory of God. Now, this, this word sin, very common Greek word for sin, hamartino, but it's not like horrible sin. There are many, there are some other Greek words that really talk about uh, um, immoral sin and, and rebellious sin. This, this is the lightest Greek word that could be used for sin. It is the most common as well, but it simply means missing the mark. Missing the mark, not hitting the bullseye, just being off a little bit. Well, every one of us have done that. Every one of us has missed the mark just a little bit, just been off a little bit. And, and this message is bad news, good news. Okay, I want you to know that. The bad news is we were born rejected. Before I get to the good news, let me tell you the worst news, all right? You have to be perfect to be accepted by God. Now, again, listen to me. I know, I'm, I'm saying some shocking statements, but I'll bring it around to help us understand, all right? But doctrinally, it's correct. A perfect God can only accept perfection. Leviticus twenty-two twenty-one, and whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. If you're going to offer an offering to God, it must be perfect. Okay. Now, the bad news is rejected. Worst news is it has to be perfect to be accepted. Okay. Here, here's some, some, some good news. The perfect one came. <laughs> the perfect one and this is hard to understand that I don't have time to go into all of the, the, the explanation of it, but the Bible even tells us not only was he perfect and he is perfect, but he was perfected as an offering for us. Let me read you a few scriptures. Hebrews 5, 9 says, and having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation 
to all who obey Him. We talked last week about we believe and re receive eternal life, and we continue to believe and receive abundant life. He became the author of eternal salvation because He's perfect. He's perfect. And let me tell you what else He did. This is going to shock you. He perfected you. Hebrews 10, 14, for by one offering, He, Jesus, has perfected forever. By the way, forever is good news. And I'd like to say that again because you're real quiet today, and you should be really excited about this. He has perfected forever. Thank you. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This is exactly what we talked about. Believing, I-N-G, being, not doing, being. Uh, perfected forever refers to eternal salvation. Being sanctified refers to abundant salvation, abundant life. He has perfected forever. Can I tell you something? This, this is going to shock you. Jesus made you perfect in the sight of God. I know that shocks us. I'm telling you because a perfect God can only accept perfection. He had to perfect you. Now, we are not perfect in our performance. We're not perfect even in our progress. We're not perfect in our practice. We are perfect in our position before God because of what Jesus did. Uh, there are so many uh, Hebrews uses the word perfect so many times and really explains it. One of the things it says is the law can't perfect anything. If the law could make you perfect, Hebrews says, there'd be no reason for him to come. Uh, let me read you another scripture from Hebrews. This is talking about when we get saved, we are part, of, we become part of the church. Verse, chapter 12, verses 22 and 23. But you have come to Mount Zion. Now, this is a, the spiritual. There's a literal and a spiritual Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all. Now watch this, to the spirits of just men, watch these two words, made perfect. Made perfect. Now again, I'm not perfect in my performance, I know that. But he made me perfect in my position in Jesus Christ because he's perfect. Um, if you don't understand this word perfect in scriptural doctrine, uh, there, there's a scripture that can really hang you up. And I, man, I've, I've had people, boy, they, they have come up with some crazy theology in this area because they don't understand this. Uh, about halfway through, really about almost halfway through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus makes a statement. If you don't understand Hebrews, you'll never understand this statement. Watch this, Matthew 5:48. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, let me just tell you, I'm in trouble. And you're in trouble. Matter of fact, the people who have argued with me about that verse were in trouble for arguing with me about that verse. <laughs> the spirit in which they argued was wrong. They weren't perfect. So what does this mean? Listen to what I like. Let's put, put, put the Scripture back up and look at it. Watch these words. You shall be, you shall be perfect. In other words, here's what he's saying. I'm going to make you in a, in a acceptable to God. 
You, 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 you can't be accepted by God right now, but I can make you acceptable. Just like God is perfect, I can wash away. Listen, if all of our sins aren't washed away, we're in a lot of trouble. I can wash you clean by my blood, I promise you. I can make you perfect in the sight of God. Uh, I, I have struggled with perfection most of my life. Perfection. Trying to just do everything right. At matter, in some ways, I still struggle today every weekend. I have tried for years to preach a perfect message, and I've never done it. And, just, and I have three chances every week. It just, it just bothers me to no end. And, and I will say to Debbie sometimes, I'll, I've gotten in the car before, and I've said to her, that was a perfect message. She said, it is good, but it wasn't perfect. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, one of your references was in Exodus, and you said Ezekiel. <laughs> you know, we can't even get a perfect message if we edit all three of mine together. <laughs> Just can't do it. And I have struggled in this area, and I've struggled with rejection. Because I, by the way, I've never met one person, never one person that has not struggled at some time in his or her life with rejection, because we were born rejected. We were born with a spirit of rejection. And it causes us then to not step up and do what God's called us to do many times. When Gateway began growing and, and having more influence, I got, I just, oh, I was just overwhelmed. I just, I just kept telling God, God, you've chosen the wrong person. I can't do this. I can't do what, what you're calling me to do. I just, I just can't do this. And I told Debbie uh, one uh, time on vacation, I said, I now know why Moses took up two chapters of the Bible telling God that God had chosen the wrong one. I understand it now. You know, I, I can't talk. That's what he told him. And of course, God said, who made your mouth? You know, I can take care of this, pal. So I, I just, I, and I, tell, I told the Lord, Lord, you've chosen, you've chosen the wrong one. He said, but I've chosen you to do this. And so, here's what I said. It's really foolish what I said. I said, okay, okay. But listen, if you want me to do this, this is beyond my ability. I want you to know that. And, and everything you've called me to do up until now, I've had the ability to do. This is now beyond my ability, and you're going to have to do that. And that's really foolish because here's what God said. He said, son, I've been doing it all, every, all the time. You had not had the ability to do anything you've done so far. We, we were born rejected. That's the bad news. Here's point number two. The good news is we were born again accepted. Isn't that good? We were born again accepted. We were born rejected, born again accepted. Ephesians chapter 1, if you want to look at that, if you have your Bibles there, the uh, marker there. Verse 6 to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us. Remember, you shall be. He made perfect. Spirits of judgment made perfect. By which He made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. And, and the New Living Translation says it this way. So we praise God for the glorious grace He has poured out on us who belong to his dear son, who belong to his, his dear son. We belong to God. I saw another scripture 
It really uh, surprised me because I've actually preached on the first part of the verse and the last part of the verse and never really seen what's in between. And it's what's in between that's important. Uh, Mark 9, 41 says, for whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, now watch this, because you belong to Christ, assuredly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Now, you, you, you've probably heard this phrase about giving a cup of water in his name. And you've probably heard the phrase about not losing our reward. But what's important in that verse is you belong to Christ. I mean, we ought to just on the inside be, yay, I belong to God. And what's good news about that is you actually, if you don't know this, you actually used to belong to the devil. There are only two fathers. There are only two fathers. According to Scripture, there is a father of light, God, and the father of lies, the devil. And in John 8, the Jews are arguing with Jesus and they said, why, we're, we're of our father, God. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. It's pretty strong. And you can't, you can't argue because it's Jesus talking, you know. I was adopted into a new family. I was born rejected. And I was born again accepted. I want every person to know the feeling and the truth in your spirit of being a belonging to God. Belonging. And when I say belonging, I know God, there is a possession aspect, but I want us to understand also there's a fitting in. I want you to know you fit in. And it's not just belonging to God. Jesus said, uh, they said, what's the greatest commandment? He said, I'll sum up the whole Bible. I'll sum up the whole Bible. He said, the law and the prophets, that's always how you would refer to the Scriptures the law and the prophets. He said, I'll sum it all up for you in, in two commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, here's what he's saying. Relationship with God, relationship with others. Let me say it another way. Belonging to God and belonging to people. And that's where we always struggle. Adam and Eve hid from God and hid from each other. So I want every one of you to belong to God, but I want you to belong to the church too. Do you know a lot of people don't really make a commitment to a church because of the fear of belonging, the fear of making a commitment? Well, if I get in a group, they might know who I really am, and then they'll reject me. It's that fear of rejection. I want you to belong. I want you to jump in. I want you to join. A couple of years ago, I, I uh, said this. I felt very led to say it in a message, and I feel led to say it again now. There are many of you that attend that, that, that have not uh, joined yet. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. Please do not feel. Please do not feel. I, I want you to stop. Well, you told me to stop. No, 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 no. But I want you to do that. But I want you to feel like this is your church. And it's not for me. It's for you. People came up to me for months after that. Months and even years, and they hadn't said to me, yeah, I, I just, we, we, we had gone and gone and gone and never gone through Catch the Vision. We went through. It changed our lives. We feel so good. We belong to the church. We don't just attend. We're members. We join. We're part of it. Belong. Get in a group. Join. Volunteer somewhere. Serve somewhere. Belong. I want you to know you belong. And I want to make clear to you why we have been accepted by God. 
And again, there are several shocking statements in this message that I'm giving you a few scripture, but there are many scriptures to help us understand. Now, this is going to be a little shocking. We were accepted by God because Jesus was rejected in our place. We have been accepted because Jesus was rejected in our place. Let me read you a few scriptures. Isaiah 53 verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men. Mark 8, 31, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Psalm 118, verse 22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is a prophetic scripture that is, is repeated several times in the New Testament. Jesus himself quotes this, and Peter quotes this, and in Acts 4, verse 11, this is one of the quotes of it, this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, speaking of Jesus. Now, I want you to notice, all of these show he was rejected by men. Please, please hear me, though. Think about that for a moment. His creation rejected him. His children rejected him. But for our benefit, and because he took our place, he was also rejected by his father. And one scripture I'll show you to prove it, very famous scripture, Mark chapter 15, verse 34, my God, my God, why have you, even you, forsaken me, rejected me? Um, theologians have argued about this for years and tried to give opinions. I really feel like, for me, I've settled the issue in my heart. People say, well, 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 didn't Jesus know that the Father would reject him so we could be accepted? Didn't he know this was going to happen as he became a sin offering for us, Second Corinthians says? Didn't he know? Well, okay, here's my opinion. He knew it was going to happen. He didn't know how it would feel until it happened. And when it happened, it says he cried with a loud voice and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was rejected so we could be accepted. Again, I, I tell you, I've struggled with this. And uh, one of the things I struggled with was, uh, why, why would anyone love me? Why would God love me? Why would Debbie love me? Why would you love me? And for years, Debbie knows, I used to ask her, I just, I'd, I'd say, why do you love me? Because I, I, for the life of me, I could not figure it out. And so I'd say, why, why do you love me? And she would say, well, uh, and, you know, I was asking like for reasons. So she's trying to come up with reasons. She said, well, um, you know, you're, you're kind. You're a kind man. And here, here's what my warped mind thought. I thought, well, what if I were not kind? So I didn't say that, but that's what I thought. So I said, well, well, why else do you love me? She said, well, you're, you're a good father. And I'm thinking, well, what if I'm not a good father? Why else do you love me? She said, because you love me. Well, what if I didn't love you? 
Why else do you love me? She said, I just do. Shut up and go to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) And literally one night, you know, when I'm trying to find out, she goes on to sleep then, and I'm lying there still thinking, she's going to leave. She'll reject me. Everyone else does. You know, it's just a warped way of thinking. That's why we have freedom ministry in some of these things around here to help us understand this. So I'm just lying there thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, she, she, you know, all these reasons. This is not going. She, she doesn't love me, you know. And it, I'm thinking this. And the Lord said to me, "She loves you because of why I love you." And I said, "Well, why? Why do you love me?" Now let me let me say something before I tell you what he told me. I was asking for a reason, so Debbie was trying to give me reasons. Now listen to me carefully, though. There are no reasons for God to love me. Now listen, listen carefully. I know, again, I'm shocking you with a lot of statements. It is unreasonable for God to love me. There's no reason. Now listen to me, listen. There is an explanation. But I gave him no reasons to die for me. Matter of fact, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before I got saved, and even since, I have not given him a reason to love me. It's, it's unreasonable. It really is. But there is an explanation of why he loves me. So he said, she loves you because of why I love you. I said, well, why do you love me? Well, listen to what he said, because you're mine because you're mine. You belong to me. He said, Robert, I love you for the same reason you love your kids, because they're your kids. It's not because of their performance. It's because they're yours. And she loves you because you're hers. I want every person here to know that love, that God loves you because you're his, because you belong to him. And I want you to belong to him. And I want you to belong here at Gateway Church. I want you to. And some of you might be feeling like, well, Pastor, I, I really don't belong here. If you knew my past, okay, listen to me carefully. If I belong, you belong. The only reason we belong is the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood, we can belong to him and we can belong to each other. We can fit in. So let me say it another way. Come on in, the water's fine. (laughs) I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to take a moment like we do every week and just say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Just take a moment. And we want to pray for you. No matter what you're going through, and we're all going through something, we want to pray for you. No matter which campus you're attending, we want to pray for you. So in just a moment, when we stand, if you need prayer for any area of your life, when we stand up, just stand up and step out and come to the front. Again, at every campus, we're going to have leaders at the front who will love you and pray for you. You don't have to be a member of Gateway Church to come for prayer. So if you need prayer for any area of your life, when we stand up, you just stand up. 
and step out and come, all right? We ask that people not leave during this time unless you have an emergency. We have one more worship song, and it's very important that if we're not coming for prayer, that we are worshiping God to create an atmosphere for people who are coming for prayer. But I also want to encourage you, if you need prayer in any area of your life, don't be embarrassed. When we stand up, just stand up, step out and come and let us pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray you'll draw every person at every campus that has any prayer need. In Jesus' name, amen.